I want to tell you about something I learned uh, growing up. When I was in middle school, I learned how to sail, and I sailed in a bay called the Chesapeake Bay, but it wasn't quite as nice as like the Puget Sound or Elliott Bay that we have here with the mountains. And, and one of the things I learned when we learned to sail is in a sailboat, you don't have any power other than the wind, and you're at the mercy of the wind. And so if you want to travel in a certain direction, you have to adjust your course to the wind, and you have to do something called tack back and forth. And so, because the wind might not be going your direction. So, one of the things that the instructor told me when I first got at the helm of the sailboat for the first time, he says, I want you to pick a point on the horizon. So, find a, a, a radio tower or a cell phone tower or a, well, it wasn't cell phone back then, but you get the idea. Or find a, a, a hill or a mountain or something on the horizon, a fixed point that's not going to change. And I want you to fix that point in your mind as you sail. Because you're going to have to turn back and forth and back and forth, but keep that fixed point in the distance in your mind the whole time. The other thing you have to be aware of when you're sailing, and not only tacking back and forth, but there are obstacles in the water. Like here, there are obstacles like logs floating in the water, so you have to keep an eye out for those. You have to keep an eye out for other vessels that are in the water. You have to keep an eye out for shallow waters and sandbars and things like that. And so even though you're focused on this fixed point off in the distance, you're also having to be aware of what's right in front of you. And you have to be aware of where you're maneuvering the boat, but ultimately you want to keep looking to that fixed point. My question though for you to chat about this morning is this. What are your eyes fixed on right now? What is your fixed point? Like what have you been fixated on? Like maybe it's the news this week and everything that's been going on in our city and our nation. Maybe you've been fixed on that. Maybe you're fixed on something else. Maybe you're fixed on a how to do graduation. Maybe you're fixed on how to uh, get off of the Zoom call, all the Zoom calls. Maybe your fixation is just what's the next Zoom call uh, on your computer. Whatever it is that you're fixed on, go ahead and chat that in the chat bar here this morning, and we'll get a, be able to look at that. And so uh, I see those folks coming in here, so go ahead and then chat that. Um, but think about that. Those are some things that could be going on that we could be focused on. Because we tend to focus on what's right in front of us. And we can lose sight of what is off in the distance, what our eyes are supposed to be fixed on. Paul actually said what we're supposed to fix our eyes on. So let's start with the end in mind. In verse 18 of chapter 4, Paul says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what Paul is saying is that we're supposed to be fixated. We're supposed to fix our direction and our life's direction on the eternal things, not the temporary things. And most of life is temporary. Most of what we're going through in life is temporary. And Paul's saying the eternal things are what you want to focus on, keep your life's direction focused on. So I think about that, and I've often thought about what are the eternal things in our life. And basically, I think it boils down to two things. My relationship to God and my relationship to other people. Those are the two things that are eternal. Uh, Jesus said, love God, love others. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. But those are the things that are last eternally. And those are the things we're to keep our eyes fixed on for the direction in our life. So think about that as a fixed point for you this morning in the midst of everything else that's going on. Because I think there are some obstacles in our path to that. I think there are some things that can actually destroy those relationships to God and to how we respond to other people in the way we think, in the way we respond, in the way we react to the world around us. And so I want you to think about that. I know one thing, type of thinking, I want to just 
bring up because I think it's relevant to where we're at right now is something that I actually learned from Jesus. Uh, Jesus was a religious leader. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And one of the things that Jesus did was he would spend time with a group of people they called sinners. He would eat with them. He would drink with them. He would dine with them. He would spend time with prostitutes and tax collectors and notorious sinners. And he spent a lot of time with this group of people. So the other religious leaders looked at Jesus and saw him as a rabbi, but it didn't make sense to them because he kept associating himself with sinners. And so the religious leaders of his day were constantly questioning who he was as a teacher and doubting his teachings and doubting who he was claiming to be because of who he was spending time with, because of the group of people he associated with. And this is a type of thinking that we call guilty by association. Guilty by association. They thought he was guilty of sin, even though he didn't sin, because of the group of people he spent time with. This is true for us today as well. How often do we think of other people and we assume they're guilty by association? I mean, that, I grew up in a time in uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, when black people were portrayed in the media, on the news, in movies as criminals, thugs, drug dealers. They were always up to no good in what was portrayed to me growing up and to other people growing up. So it's not surprising that people today will call the police if they see a black person where they don't think they're supposed to be, right? It's guilty by association because they, they look at the color of a person's skin and they say they make you guilty by association. That's what's going on. That's what actually fuels racism. And there's some of that, th- there's that thinking is still going on today where we hold a whole, a, an individual guilty because of what others, a part of that group, have done. It's also true uh, of the police officers out there in the streets today, where, again, this is guilty by association that's going on today. I recently heard uh, a story of a a black female police officer who was being ridiculed as a traitor to her race because she was wearing a police uniform. Think about that. That's guilty by association because of her occupation. She was guilty not for who she was as an individual. She was guilty because she was part of this group. And so people were making assumptions about her based on her occupation. That's the same thing they did to Jesus. So if you're feeling that way today, if you're feeling like people are misjudging you because you associate with a certain group of people, welcome to Jesus' world. That's a part of what it means to follow Jesus. That's also a type of thinking that we in our society need to renounce. It's a deception. It's a deceptive way of thinking to make that assumption about other people, to assume that that person is like everybody else. It's a big, gross misstep in our thinking. So we need to fix our eyes on the eternal relationships, which reminds us, right, that we need to heal relationships today. We need to to bring about healing and reconciliation today in our relationships because those are the things that are going to last forever. Not everything else that we see around us is going to last forever. The good news is COVID-19, not going to last forever. We just have to get through it. So that's the other thing, though, is Paul says this in the passage. If we back up in the passage, Paul is actually saying, so what about what's happening to us right now? What about the suffering we're incurring right now? What about the injustice right now? What about the persecution right now? What about everything that we're struggling with and suffering and going through? And I, I mean that in a very general sense. What do we do and how do we handle the obstacles that are in our path right before us now? Well, he says that it might be a way to reveal God's glory and God's light to other people. Here's what he says. Verse 7, 
but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So Paul refers to us as jars of clay. What are jars of clay? They're common, they're easily break a, bro- broken, they're fragile, they're, there's weakness, they can have fractures in them. And what Paul is saying is that God has chosen to reveal God's glory in jars of clay, that, that you and I have the image of God within us and the light of God within us, and that God can shine even through our brokenness, even through our weaknesses, even through our faults and our flaws. So think about that, that we're just, every one of us is like a jar of clay, and we hold within us the light of God as Christians, the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of God in us. And so how do we let that light shine through our own brokenness? One way Paul points this out is to say, you let the light shine by not losing heart. He says that. He actually bookends the passage with, do not lose heart, do not lose heart, in the beginning and at the end, because he's saying that as we go through brokenness, as we go through suffering, as we go through these things, we can reveal the light of God, the glory of God to others as we go through them, as they, we handle them. And he actually uses this, these, these phrases, right? He says, we're pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He's saying our perseverance reveals God's glory. You know, anybody can worship Santa Claus. Uh, my New Testament professor said that once. He said, anyone can worship Santa Claus. It's easy to worship Santa Claus. Christmas, when you're getting gift after gift after gift, blessing after blessing after blessing, it's real easy to praise God. It's real easy to worship God. It's real easy to give our gratitude to God and our praise to God. But can you do it when it's hard? Can you do it when it's, when it's perplexing? Can you do it when it's hard and persecuting and hostile? Can you do it then? Can you do it in the darkness and not just when it's blessing. In fact, Jesus poured out a multitude of blessings on the people, but he, always, he tied all of them in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the blessings to pain, to suffering, mourning, persecution, things like that, poor in spirit. So you think about this, that there's a possibility that God could use our suffering to reveal God's glory. Think about that. How are you broken today? How are you maybe cracking up today? Where is your weakness? Where is your vulnerability? And is it possible that God could use that to shed light to other people? Just think about it. What's God doing in your life today? And how could God be using your light, the light of God in you and your weakness and your vulnerability to actually bring healing and reconciliation to God and to other people around you? You know, part of this is just not giving up, right? Not losing heart. Uh, Mary Kay Ash was a cosmetic company saleswoman in the 50s and 60s. She was very successful at selling cosmetics. She actually was so successful, she made it to the board level in the 50s and 60s in a male-dominated business. Many men told her, uh, You're never, you can't make it as a businesswoman on your own because you need a man. And uh, she kind of ignored those concerns, and she decided to retire from her sales position and start her own business. And you got to remember, this is, what, 50 years, 40, 50 years ago, actually more than that. And so she was thinking, I'm going to start this business. So she and her husband took their whole life savings, they developed a business plan, and one month before they were to launch this business, her husband died of a heart attack at the kitchen table. 
that was the moment that I would have maybe called it quits. That's the moment that nobody would have blamed her if she had given up and just threw away the business plan because she was in grief. But you know what Mary Kay did? She launched it anyway. She went ahead with the business plan. She went ahead with the risk. She went ahead with the investment. She didn't know if it was going to succeed or fail, but she persevered. And today, she's known as developing one of the biggest name cosmetic companies in the nation, possibly in the world, Mary Kay Cosmetics. Many people know that. But, possible, but think about this. What if she had lost heart? What if she had given up? The point is this. We reveal God's glory. We reveal the light of Christ to others when we don't give up, when we persevere together. And we keep working for that fixed point on the horizon and not just what's right in front of us today, not just what concerns us right now. So I want to think about this. As I was watching the news this week and as I was not only watching the news, but as I was preparing this sermon, and as I was thinking about all that's gone on in our country beforehand and our relationships to other people of different ethnicities, backgrounds, our own uh, faith as well, and our own beliefs, and I thought about all this, and, I, and I, I got this image of stained glass. Stained glass is something I've been around my whole life in the church, and stained glass is, is really beautiful when the light shines through it. Stained glass isn't that great looking when there's no light, and, uh, but I thought about this image because, because to make stained glass, and I've watched stained glass be created, you actually have to cut the glass. You have to break the glass into the shape you want it. And then after you break the glass, you actually take sandpaper, some kind of sandpaper, and you smooth out the sharp edges of that piece. And then you lay it along the other pieces, and you meld them together, you solder them together, and you're creating a big image that when the light shines through that image, right, that the glory of it is revealed, the beauty of it is revealed. So I got this image that maybe what God is up to is God is, is, is breaking all our souls, breaking all our hearts in a certain way, sanding off the rough edges, and God's plan is to put all our souls, all our different colored souls, into a big image that when God's light shines through it, the beauty of God, the glory of God is revealed. I wonder if that's what God's up to today in you and me, Maybe God's breaking us in different ways, shaping us in different ways, putting us together in different ways so that we could let the light shine through us to others. Imagine what it would be like to let the light shine through you, through me. You know, when do we need light the most? <laughs> when it's the darkest. Whenever it's the darkest out, that's when we need God's light the most. It's not when it's light and bright and blessing and good. It's actually right now. Right now is when we need God the most. And Paul's hope was that God's grace would abound to us, would reach us, right? And reach each other because God's grace changes our hearts, softens our hearts, sands our hearts down from our anger and our bitterness and our resentments and our confusion and our perplexities and softens us. But maybe God's up to something bigger, something out there on the, on the horizon that we can't see, that we have not fixed our eyes on. So I want to encourage you to do that today, to let God's light shine through you. I do want to give you some questions this morning, and I want you to focus uh, on these, but pay attention, especially number three. But the question number one is this, what are some ways you are experiencing darkness this week? Where, where are you feeling some darkness in your own life? Number two, how could God, that should be capitalized, to capitalize God, possibly use your weakness of brokenness to shed light to others? 
what would that look like uh, to shed light to others, even through your weakness? And then number three, here's the important question. If you're in a group or your family or going to a class or a small group this morning, here's the question I want you to spend more time on than the other two questions. Even though it's the last question, leave time for this question. What are some ways you could begin to let God's light shine through you today? That's application. That means what action steps am I going to take? What am I going to do differently? How am I going to change so that I can let God's light shine through me today? So talk about that in your groups and get to that action step, that next step that you're going to take, that application to your life. What does this look like for you today? And how will you live out God's light and glory in your life? Let's pray together. God, we come to you today, and we have been inundated with crisis after crisis, with COVID-19 and protests in our streets and violence and the loss of life because of guilty by association. And so, Lord, we, we come to you because we need your light now more than ever. We need your light to shine in the darkness of our world. And God, maybe we're the pieces of broken glass, the colored glass that you want to shine through today, this week. That we would be people who keep our eyes fixed on the eternal things, the things of relationship to you, our relationship to you and our relationship to other people and what that looks like and healing it and reconciling it and moving ahead to your plan of heaven, which is everybody together worshiping you, being with you together. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would shine your light through us this week in the midst of our darkness. Also, thank you for your grace in Jesus Christ, the grace that you extend to us and calls us into relationship with you and makes relationship with you possible. I also pray that we would be people who extend grace to others, that we would give them the benefit of the doubt, so to speak, assume the best in them, and to start to see them as you see them. God, give us that ability to extend grace to other people that might help heal relationships in whatever form that looks or takes. And Lord, I pray for anyone out there this morning that has never known your grace, your abundant, unfailing love for them. And Lord, I pray that if, if they need your grace this morning, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would send your grace into their heart and their mind today to heal them in their relationship with you and bring healing to their relationship to other people. So Lord, heal us by your glory, by your light. Help us to not lose heart, not give up today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.